OG chopped cheese, pizza, red velvet cake, all of your favorite foods and desserts. Imagine them being wrapped up in an empanada. And if you're in the Bronx, there's only one place to get these flavorful empanadas. On this episode, we sit down with Jason Alicia, co-founder of Empanology. And we guarantee this one will leave you hungry for more. What's happening, y'all? It is your boy, Jay. And it's your boy, KB. I like to think of myself as your neighborhood fashionista, favorite Bronx social worker, and one of the leaders of the new school. You may know me for hitting a dance move on IG, dropping life gems, or just stirring some shit up. And me? I'm a youth developer, hip-hop lover, retired comedian, and self-proclaimed old head. But when we come together, we are known as Live from the Bronx. And we have one mission. Our mission is to shift the narrative of the Bronx by highlighting Bronx creatives and change makers. Say that, Kev. Yo, live from the Bronx season two, we are still the podcast that celebrates Bronx creatives and change makers. I'm your boy, KB. Your was popping, y'all. It is your boy, Jay. And today we have a very, very special episode for y'all. We are sitting next to the Bronx bread chef and founder of Empanology. What's popping, Jason? Up, How you brother? feeling? Thanks for having me. You guys. already know, man. Thanks for being nice here. To be here. We've, we've been talking about this for a little minute yeah, now. Yeah, finally, and finally making it happen. Yeah, we're here, man. Let's cheers to that. Y'all know we got what, the what, what are we sipping on? What are we sipping this on? This is the Bronx Brewery's World Gone Rosé IPA. No um, doubt, no doubt. Very so if, hazy, very fruity. Women love it. It's got a nice uh, rosé touch and finish to it. Women and Jason love it. Just some <laughs> breakfast beer. Some breakfast beer. Start in the morning or afternoon off, right? Um, so, Jason... We're, we're super excited you're here, man. You've done some amazing work. And before we even jump into all the dope stuff you're doing, tell us a little bit about, like, who you are. How do you identify? Well, my name is Jason Alicea. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the chef and founder of Empanology. We incorporated uh, July. Sorry, we incorporated in March 2018. We opened our doors for the first time July 14, 2018. So we're approaching our three-year anniversary. Um and about me, man, I'm a man of God, first things first. I'm a father to a beautiful young baby girl named Ella J. She'll be two in July. I'm a husband to my wife, Ruby Ann, Alicea. We are making 12 years together, five years married. Congrats, congrats, congrats. So five years, I'm, I'm 33 years old, so that's, that's yeah. my whole 20s. That's my whole yeah. young adulthood. Um, that's what's up. That's what's she's up. my rock. She's uh, half the reason why I'm standing here today. And we have blossomed into the business that we blossomed into, you know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a Bronx dude. I'm born and raised in the Bronx, moved around numerous neighborhoods my whole life. Uh, what are some of the, the Bronx neighborhoods you repping? Uh, when I was born, I was living on Commonwealth, right off Soundview, right around mm. St. Lawrence. Okay, um, yep, yep. Six that, train? Yeah, six train line, mostly home my whole life. Okay. Um, after that, my, my mom and my pop split. So my pops, every time he moved around, he would move back to grandma's house, my grandma's crib, which is East Harlem, Justice and oh, Projects, my 15th and 2nd. Jeff, audio. Um, I went to Manhattan Center. Copy, so you're very familiar. <laughs> yep, yep. So my whole life, whenever my pops moving, we would do a couple of months back home with grandma. So that was like my stomping ground too. And then when my mom's and my pops lived, we've lived on Fail Ave and Hunts Point, 161, Virginia Polite. We were up in uh, Neary and Guns Hill, uh, Allerton and Mace Avenue with my mom, Castle Hill. I lived for a little bit. I uh, went to school around Park Chester, Castle Hill my whole life. Um, went to Scanlon High School. Okay, yep, yep. Now I currently live around Pelham Bay, so I'm not leaving the Bronx with my family. That's where I started on the family at. Um, hey, man, I'm just a regular dude that's like just proof to the fact that you could dream something and put your mind to it and make it happen. You know what I'm saying? It's been a long journey, but I think now at this point, you know, we're starting to, you know, enjoy the fruits of our labor and starting to see things kind of blossom. So take me back to the, the beginning. So growing up, obviously in your house, I guess it was a uh, people were cooking, people were making empanadas. So tell me about your like your, your childhood around food. Yeah, so like, like? I, so like I mentioned, always was around grandma, right? So every time we went to grandma's crib, just like every other Puerto Rican family, and I'm sure a lot of other ethnicities, you come home, you you looking for forward to grandma's cooking. So every time we we gathered as a family at grandma's house, she always threw down in the kitchen. Um, she eventually um, she had a, a upbringing of being a chef. Um, 
she had opened a restaurant in Miami when she was 19, just after getting a job as a line cook. The owner loved her beans and her recipes and mm. she took it over from there. Fast forward, you know, to growing up, my mom, same deal. I played ball my whole life, so whenever I would come through to the homies after the game and stuff, my mom always whipped up a meal. Family functions, fight nights, you know, those were always big. They would always gather at my crib. Mom was always uh, throwing down. Usually empanadas is on the menu, right? Um, and so my mom kind of gained an, uh, a family recognition for her empanadas. Oh, Yoli, can you make some empanadas? Can you make some empanadas? What was the empanadas she always made? What we now call our chopped cheese empanadas. So it was always <laughs> uh, beef and cheese empanada that, you know, most people kind of grew up eating at home, but it was always the frozen discos right. and, you know, quick fix with some American cheese. Real simple. Um, once she started getting a little creative, I started working in the kitchen myself. She was like, uh, I want to try your grandma's recipe and let's try to work on it for the dough, the masa. Tried it, came out great. And then from there, I kind of just started developing it. I, w- I had no idea of opening up an empanada company in sight at the time, but this was taking her, her grandma, my grandma's recipe that she learned and just kind of messing with it until I came up with something I could like really put forward and execute. Um, so yeah, man, cooking was kind of like always a part of my, you know, growing up. And then me personally, I started cooking at a young age, helping my mom fold empanadas, making scrambled eggs, making pancakes, simple stuff, right? Yeah. Out the box pancake, nothing crazy. Um, but I was always interested and, and I felt comfortable by the time I was like 13, I was cooking for my friends when they came over. Mm. I was, you know, mom, mom and, and my step pops would go on vacation. I'd be home alone cooking for me and my brother. So just little simple comfort food, like stuff we enjoy eating that's yeah. a little cheaper and a little bit more gourmet than going out and buying it at a fast food restaurant. So always had a, a little tiny place in the kitchen. Let me ask you something. So you mentioned moving around, living in different places in the Bronx. And for, for those of you who don't know, for listeners who may not be as familiar with the Bronx neighborhood, right? We know uptown Glen Hill area, when you're talking about, it's like heavy Jamaican Caribbean uh, population, right? And we know uh, in the Bronx, you got a huge Puerto Rican Dominican culture, right? And so we, we uh, essentially like what you kind of hear about in the Bronx in terms of food and cultures, like Jamaican food, slow food, right? Uh, Spanish food. And how did that influence? Like, even, even your Facebook, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, big time. I, I, I can honestly say, growing up, I had, like, you know, an Indian friend. I had a Jamaican friend. Um, we were Puerto Rican. I obviously had a lot of Dominican friends going over to their house, eating their mom's cuisine. And then fast forward to becoming a young adult and traveling, all of that, like, between having household ethnic food growing up in the Bronx and then traveling um, and kind of taking all of that influence and, and, and tapping it into what we, you know, create in our empanada. Definitely... Huge influence, huge influence, and developed the taste buds. So, at what point did you think that this could be a career? Because as a kid growing up, you're like, all right, I'm cooking comfort food. I'm helping out. I like when my friends come over, helping out moms. Um, so right after high school, I got a job at Whole Foods washing dishes. I was 17, um, and working with a chef there, I expressed to them that I know how to cook some home cooked meals. They had a little hot bar. They gave me the opportunity to make one dish, made rice and beans. They loved it. After that, I made like a fried rice fried chino latino style fried rice they loved it um and then from there on i, I kind of worked my way up at whole foods from the age of 18 to 20 to become a supervisor and a manager um so obviously i had eventually dropped out of college at the time i was in bmcc i only lasted like eight months there um so i had decided then i told my mom my mom i'm enjoying this I, i'm moving up i had already gotten a couple of raises in three four months um, i dropped out of college and i was like you know what i'm gonna come in full time now Told the chef, Yo, I'm available every day. Started coming on days off just to work with the catering chef to learn. And they paired me right hand with uh, Frank Donardo, one of my mentors who told me how to hold a knife. And he just came out of culinary school. And he's given me all the, the you know, the fine dining uh, techniques. And then like fast forward two years later, I left the company. I had helped open up a couple of stores in Bowery, West Orange, New Jersey, Ridgewood. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's pause real quick, right? Because we're going to get to that in a second. We're going to get real deep into that. I just have a question really mm-hmm. quickly, right? Like a lot of times, especially the way in which we grew up in our culture in the Bronx, uh, I don't know about you, but for, for my parents, right? My mom immigrated here, right? My pops, before we get, my mom's Salvadorian, right? I'm born in Puerto Rico, mom born in El Salvador, and so they can't get they they're thinking like, yo, education, college, you gotta, you know what I'm saying? You gotta follow this career path, mm-hmm. but do that. And what, how did your mom like feel about you? Yeah, yeah it's funny you say that. So I never was like an A plus student. I was always like skating by, right? But like, knew I had the potential to do more, like even myself, so did my parents. And then once I went to college, 
I was living in the Bronx, right, by um, like Bronx Park East at the time. Yep, yep, yep. Taking a two train all the way down to BMCC, going to class from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Oh, hold on. That commute is probably at, mi- at yeah. least an hour at yeah. least. With and no I- issues, with no yeah. traffic, with no mess ups. Yeah, it was, it was rough. No mess ups never happens on the MTA. Yeah. So. <laughs> Especially not in the school of five And then rush hour time, you're going to school eight to four. So now I would have to get out of school, take the path to the Metro North, take the Metro North to White Plains, New York, walk mm. half an hour to Whole Foods. I was coming home to do my studies at like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I just wasn't putting my all to it. I was going to school for nursing. Wasn't really passionate about that. Once I got the job in the kitchen, it was like, yo, I think I want to do this. I was selling. I was making more money. And my mom you know, knew I had a good head on my shoulders for the most part. So it was like, I, I respect your decision. You know, don't give up. You know, let's, let's, you know she supported it. She supported it 100%. And, you know, she loves to cook, too. So I guess it was kind of like, you know, she supported. She was all for it. And my dad, my dad has always been very supportive of everything I did in life. So he was um, he was very straightforward with it. Um, if anything, he helped me book, like, my first couple of catering gigs and stuff like that once I dived in with my own company and stuff. Yo, that's super, super dope. I have a super random question, too. So thinking about cooking, right, like we know growing up, just in terms of even even in our culture, right, Latino culture, Caribbean culture, right, the the women are traditionally the ones that so cook, the, the ones that clean, and et cetera, right? And I think hearing your story too, right, is a little different than what you traditionally hear. So what was what were those dynamics like, right? Like even and not to get not to get too much into your personal business, mm-hmm. right? But like growing up, right, Shorty's probably loved like yo, you could cook. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My first dates and stuff. Like, it, was, it was like yo, come through, braid my hair. I'm gonna make some fried chicken. We are gonna chill. Word. And they didn't get that experience from anybody else in high school. You feel me? Like yeah. it was like, yo, let's go to Wendy's, maybe Applebee's. We'll take you Applebee's out. Applebee's if you got some money. You feel me? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. Two for twenty. And then I would cheat. My mom always had some like leftover rice and beans in the yeah. fridge. Right. She always had some marinated chicken. So it was like my cooking plus mom's cooking, and I'm whipping it up live in front of show. It was, it was, it was a nice plus. And then the hair, I had the long hair growing up. So, long yeah, hair, that always, yeah. That always helped uh, yeah. the ladies. Yeah, nah, man, it's real, and, and I and I only say that too, right? Because I think part of what you're doing, and I don't, I don't know how often you talk about this, or if you even think about it, because it's such a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Like that, that gender dynamic is what you're like shifting, right, and changing, especially in our culture, right? Being able to say, "I'm the cook," mm-hmm. I'm the one that that don't even don't touch the kitchen. I got this. Right? Uh, that's like, the way it is in my house. Yeah, like completely uh. changing just that dynamic, and I and I know you mentioned you have a daughter. She's probably gonna be able to grow up and see just a different shift in what relationships can be like Absolutely. and what these traditional roles are. Kind of break do, the break the mold from yeah, what we do. Do you ever think seeing. about that, or is that just like? Nah, man. I I think um. As a new father, I still consider myself a new father. Should be two in July, but I think our situation as entrepreneurs, me and my wife, you know, being fairly new entrepreneurs, having a child, um, in the midst of we, we got pregnant three months after opening our first restaurant. So then we had to go through our first year of having a restaurant while being pregnant and yeah. making those transitions and getting family ready for that. And then we had the baby. We had made the move over here. So that was another transition we had to deal with. And then baby six months old, the city lockdown pandemic. So now I'm a new father with a newborn. My wife is still home. And now we got hands on all three of us at home all day. So it was a beautiful blessing because I got to like really pour into my daughter and spend countless days and hours and not miss a moment for the first year and a half of her life. Um, and I think with doing that, it was kind of unoriginal. Like, you know, not a lot of parents get to both spend, both parents get to spend that much time with their child. So we're cracking the most, man. We're very, very mindful of what we expose her to and very delicate about the language we use around her. And, yeah, I think right now she sees two loving parents, which is something that me and my wife didn't see growing up. You know, we grew up with a, both of our parents divorced and, you know, both of us have step parents and growing up in a household full of, you know, a lot of drama and, you know, regular relationship mess. But now as an educated, educated parents, you know, we want to take the steps and not expose it to that and kind of crack the mold. And I was just talking about this with a new dad yesterday. It's just, it's important, like, I don't think our parents were wise enough or they were a lot younger. I'm 33 as a new father. My mom and pops are 21. So yeah, they didn't yeah. have the life experience and education point up to, to think like, oh, I don't want to talk like this in front of my child. I don't want to expose it to this. So I think it's been a blessing. And yeah, she, she sees two loving parents. She already loves the kitchen. I'm super happy about that. 
she's reading over 300 words already. Shout out to that, 300 words, that too. She speaks some Spanish, like, she's going to be a superstar. She's by far my, my, my best creation. Hopefully one day we'll be on a podcast as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the next level. By far my best creation. So you, you started to talk about a, a mentor, man, mentorship. Yeah. So kind of take me take me through uh, Chef Frank, uh, say his last name again? Chef Denardo. Denard, Denard? Denardo. Denardo. Can you tell tell me like what role he played and who, who he was to you? So I mentioned Whole Foods, 17 yep. years old, never worked in the kitchen. I'm a dishwasher. He was my direct supervisor, fresh out of culinary school, probably in his 30s at the time. Um, took a liking to me, um, helped uh, vouch for me, like saying, yo, give this kid a chance. Let, him, let me work closely with him and let me see what we could do. Um, spent a lot of time with him and, you know, just him being a little bit older, making some mistakes in life because, you know, as a chef or the, the restaurant industry, you could pick up a lot of nasty habits as far as like drugs, alcohol, women. Why, why do you think that is? Um, high stress, bro. High stress, okay. long hours, not a lot of uh, appreciation. You know, you, mm-hmm. how often do you guys go to a restaurant and meet the guys in the kitchen? Exactly. How often you guys see our kitchen open and our chefs coming out and greeting? You know, I try to change that dynamic. In our last restaurant, we had an open kitchen concept, so um, a lot of goals to work for the revitalization of the chefs in the industry in the future, right? Once we make a name for ourselves, um, but I think it's the long hours, it's the high stress. Um, you get out of work, you want to drink, you want to smoke, you want to do something to, to. That's your advice to. Get ready to be right back at it nine in the morning for another 14, 16 hour shift. And you know, when you're young and you got the energy for that, let's get this money, let's go, 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 go. Next you know, 12 years pass by, you're in your 30s and you're still working a $16 an hour job, working the line for somebody that doesn't really appreciate you because he's home with his family. So I try to shift that a little bit here. I think, you know, it's important. It's important people realize that the guys in the kitchen are just as important as the people serving you. The front I, of the house and I guys. think that's really powerful because yeah. you saying that made me really think of all like, all the restaurant experiences I've had, like high-end, Applebee's, all of it, like your your wait staff, your hostess, those are the people who you're interacting with, so you're like nice to them. Those are people that get tipped. Uh. And so, so how did, how did Frank, so Frank start to get So, yeah, so pretty to- much, uh, he gave me my first opportunity. I started working closely with him for catering. Um, fast forward two years of being like di- directly under him. Um, he moved on to a new store opened up a new store. He requested I go with him, gave me my first leadership role as a supervisor. I was 19, running the staff, like 14, 15 grown-ups. Very, very difficult transition for me, right? Going into the space of strangers, younger, mm. and now I'm their boss. Um, had to earn my stripes. I did just that. Um, How did people respond to you being younger? Um, I still deal with it now, man. There's, there could be an upset customer later here today. Oh, let me speak to the manager. I'm saying, yeah, I, I'm going to help you, ma'am. How can I help? Oh, no, I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> I'm the manager, man. We're the owner. I'm the owner. I'm the owner. So it's a challenge that I'm just constantly facing. I think who's your boss? I think just as a, a a a POC, like a person of color, yeah, yeah, yeah. being in that 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 state of authority is not the norm, right? Yeah. Especially in a establishment like that looks as grand as this. People see the IG page and they think, oh, this is a big empire. That's beautiful, right? Um, but the reality is, we're a three-year-old business and we're still, you know, trying to get by to do the best, and the dream is slowly coming true. So, um. Frank just gave me the first opportunity, bro. And then after he took me over to Jersey, he um he mentored me uh, now more towards leadership and outside the kitchen. Um, again, I, I touched on the personal lives of chefs, and he he kind of helped me not navigate that line of falling into alcoholism, drugs, and women. Um, you know, I, when I was single, obviously I was a young man making money. Uh, women were always around, but you know, I found the one right away, and I've been. Very, uh, very faithful husband at this point, and I'm, I'm happy to and proud to say that. Yo, and we got to clap it up for that, right? Because these are the stories we don't hear. Twelve years right? in, uh, we can cheer, cheers to that husband cheers, gang. Cheers yeah. to the husband I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a part of the husband gang, but we'll be one day, right? But I'm gonna cheers. And, Kev, right. and, and Kev is, and Kev is the, is the bro, right? Kev, Kev is probably around the same, y'all around the same age. Yeah, I'm uh, a little older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old head right here. Even though he's not that old, but so like I'm 29, right? And I'm single, right? And I'm doing okay in life. And and you know I, I hear I see and hear what you're saying just in terms of that that lifestyle. But I get to keep people around him like me who also he's been married and been with his shorty for, for a while. And I get to see balance. that, right? Like exactly, I get to see like men of color who are married or been in their relationships for X amount of years, and that. That is just a game changer. We don't hear those stories. So, like, we got to celebrate you. We got to give, give you your flowers like, now. Your, your flowers, you, yeah. Uh, because 12 years, bro, I, I don't I don't know what that's like. 
but I yeah. can only imagine. Yeah. 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 yeah, but I can only imagine just the work it takes yeah, to maintain that, right? A lot like, of work. A lot so of shout out to y'all. A lot of life changes, experiences, transitions, sacrifices. But where where did you meet your wife? I met her at SUNY on Westbury when she was in college. Okay. I walked into her dorm room to go hang out on Thursday night. <laughs> so you was there for the turn up. I was that, I was that dude in the college dorm rooms that came on Thursdays to the weekend. You thought I went to the school, but I never attended a class. I never dormed. Hey, you know, everybody, day. everybody. I, was, I never dormed a day in my life, but I, I made my way around some schools and just you know, had some fun. Yeah. Um, while this is all while I was like starting my career off in whole schools, I had a lot of free time. So yeah. I had cars. So I was I was around, but that's why I met her and became friends for a couple of years, and then once she became single wrapped it up man you know I, I saw what she was I, I i loved her from very early on you know what i'm saying and yeah. made it work that's what's up so your so your wife she is she's part owner of she's the business co-founder, co-founder of the business yeah. as well and your wife's an educator correct she is a full-time high school guidance counselor yeah uh, for for a high school in the doe um to i was and, and that part was always fascinating to me that as she still works full-time how is she able to kind of balance being an educator with being a co-founder of this dope establishment? Um, it's a lot for her. Okay. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm here a lot more. I'm, I'm running operations. I'm the chef. I'm in the kitchen. She helps me a lot with admin, major decisions. She's by far been my first and biggest investor. Um, and, you know, just holding me down, keeping me sane, keeping me leveled, and making sure that there's the balance there because I'll live and sleep and die here. <laughs> You feel me? I'll, I'll literally sleep here all day. Um, and just, you know, being another set of eyes and, and calling me out for when everyone, not everyone, but you know, a lot of times when I'm in this light, uh, everyone's like, everything tastes great, everything's great. Oh, you're doing such a good job. He's my battle buddy, is what I call it. And, you know, he pushes me to be a better. What's that term you? Say it again. Battle buddy. Battle buddy. I like that. Battle buddy. She's my battle buddy. She's my rock. You feel me? Like, mm. uh, she pushes me to be a better man, to be a better husband, to be a better father. And, and like, really, since we've opened up in August, she's pushed me to be a way better entrepreneur and business owner here between the organization, getting the right people in place, uh, learning from my mistakes in the past at the old restaurant. Oh, we're gonna, and we're going to talk about that, too. Mm-hmm. I, so right. I'm, I'm also a counselor in the DOA. My, my high school... Oh, yeah is actually uh, not far from where the old old spot was. Not yet. So it's, it's a balance. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot for her. And now as a, as a mother, that's her main role, right? Yeah. And then she's doing remote. It's been, um, I think that's, that's a whole nother podcast, bro. Like that, like that's a whole nother, oh, let's yeah. talk to parents who became parents during the pandemic. And oh yeah, now we're, entre- you know, we're entrepreneurs too. So it's like, it's a lot of hats to wear at the same time. I think it's also by the grace of God, bro. Like, you know, I forgot to say that. I don't know if I did mention that when you asked me about my identity, but it was one of the first things you said. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer in God. My dad's a pastor. Um, shout out to Elements Church in the Bronx. Where, where is Elements? Right now, we're remote since the pandemic, okay. but we used to be, we used to have it in my old restaurant for a year and a half. Oh, we nice. had service every Sunday, Sunday morning uh, in the restaurant okay. before we yeah. opened. Um, before that, we had a location on East Tremont in, um, in Brooklyn Boulevard. They had a location over here, 138th in Cyprus, right before the oh, pandemic okay. hit. Um, my 10 year old church um do a lot of work for the community and very uh, come as you are urban you can check them out very cool and get you a bet for everyone listening get you a battle buddy someone who will call you on your stuff when you're not doing what it is that you need to do because you don't need a bunch of yes people around you that's not gonna make you better uh, i'm actually use that if you don't mind me borrowing that term from you yeah i believe it's cited my sources about having a battle buddy not just you know like an accountability partner you know not just a a partner in life that's just gonna yes yes whatever you want like she challenges me about mm. that. and for that i'm i'm here today like you know i probably wouldn't be here today if she didn't challenge me and push me and, and help mold me into the man that i am today. so so you started to touch on this a little bit right and you keep referring to this to this higher location that you had you opened up in Venology. so talk to us a little bit about the beginnings of that journey right mm-hmm. like you you picked your location you got a name you're opening up. What I'm gonna like? keep it all the way in hundred, which I um I did not pick that location. That location picked me. Um, yeah, yeah. we did. Uh, we started doing a pop up. And right? where where was that location? Just for uh, people listening. Two four zero seven Third Avenue, right on the uh right across the street from My Haven Bar and Grill, right gotcha. Third Avenue Bridge. Um, right where all those new buildings are going up. Yeah, that's yep. the reason why we had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's yeah. that, 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 we're gonna get into that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much we were in a pop-up game, you know, we had started in Panaji 2018. Um no, yeah, 2018 in March, started doing pop-ups. I landed up with Motley Kitchen. Okay. Uh, shout out to Kat over at Molly Kitchen. That's I the love block her. I grew up on. Oh, that, wow. that block. That family used to live there. Yeah. Wow, what a, what a nice change. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, because you were staying in churches on Cypress and 138. Yeah, man. It, um, interesting times. So, yeah, Kat, Kat gave me the opportunity to do uh, curate three pop-ups in her restaurant. So okay. she closed for three Mondays in a row and let me curate my own kind of restaurant. So I took all her art down. I had the Bronx to pull up, do some installation. We're talking April and May 2018, so you can do the math. Like yeah. what, what we did at that pop up, a lot of people have tried to recreate. They that wholeheartedly now. I look right in the camera. A lot of people tried to recreate. We did it. We said we we started this. Um, I had uh often imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> it happens all the time to the best of us. Mm. Um, so I had Bronx to pull up, do a whole art installation. I had the BX barista pull up. He was my front of the house coffee expert. Um, I had Hallie Myers. Come how did you have all of these? How do you have all these connections already? Just from love, bro. Just from like meeting people, telling them about you know what I'm working on and identifying their talents. I met Barista at a pop up. Hallie Meyer found me on Instagram. Did you have the name already at this point? Were you Empanology? Empanology, yeah, yeah. You were already. We were, okay. But at the time, I was goes back to Frank. At the time. I was working in a deli in Nyack for that I opened up with Frank, and that was like my production kitchen up in Nyack. Oh, wow. I quit my job. As a so that's man. your first business, the joint in Nyack. No, 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 no. My first business was a catering company okay. right after I left okay. for Whole Foods, and then I opened up a, a deli in Nyack with Frank. You know, I said chef, and I like the owner. Um, and that was like my first place where I, I stopped finally cooking out of my crib, and I used that kitchen as my production facility, facility to do pop-ups and stuff. So that Motley pop-up, I was cooking everything in Nyack, pulling up to the Bronx to get it done. But that special occasion, you know, we had live music, we had a, a live rapper, a live poet. Shout out to Soroya, Randy Mason for oh, coming yeah, through. Oh yeah, she's dope, yo. Shout out um, to her too, man. And we just made, we we, we had a line out the door before <laughs> the whole Bronx pulled up, bro. It was yeah. it was beautiful and. Right after the first pop-up, I bump into uh, a developer in the South Bronx leaving coffee shop and um, I introduced myself. I was familiar with who he was. I told him I'm looking for a space and I got a phone call like two days later from his real estate agent. They showed me that location. It was a rundown, emptied out carpenter space. Yeah. Beautiful front lot. They were like, you can use all of this. Let's make it work. Let's build a brand. Six months, you guys. Let's do a six month contract. Mm. Said, cool. That was in April, end of April, 2018. And we opened our doors there in July, 2018. That propelled the brand into you know, where we're at now. Describe the space, describe the early days. What was yeah. that all like? Because yeah. it's the setup when you walked in. You walk, it's in the cut in the, in, the, in the middle of a corner in the South Bronx you probably never wanted to go to, or <laughs> if you were there, you got the hell out of there ASAP, right? <laughs> yeah. and so, shout out to Rosa Garcia, my Haven Bar and Grill. She right. gave me my first opportunity selling empanadas off a food truck. Shout out to, to Kevin Alicea from Havana, who's always been supportive, who's also like a mentor to me. Um, shout out to Bronx Beer Hall because they gave me my first pop up in the Bronx, and then obviously the Bronx Brewery where I'm, I have a home base right now. But um, they helped pave the way. Like Rosa really helped pave the way too. Um, beautiful front yard. We put up uh, like I think I had 12 picnic tables. I had parking, so you pull into a private lot. I have parking, 12 picnic tables. You walk inside. It's about like 2,000 square foot space. I had a food trailer because mind you, I was supposed to be there only for six months. So I built a little fake food truck out of a food trailer is really a motorcycle trailer that I fit to look like a kitchen, put a, <laughs> a couple of uh, countertop deep fryers, put a hole in it, parked it inside, didn't get any permits. <laughs> All right, didn't get any permits. And just, yo, it's a six month pop-up. We got a temporary permit, we're good. Havana came in, we opened up, we had a temporary liquor license, we had the sangria. I had uh, the tea factor pull up on our opening weekend. He did a pop-up doing teas. Bronxer was there documenting some of some merch. Um, that was the summer of the lifetime. I did collabs with uh, Jameson. Like, uh, no, I'm sorry. Jack Daniels. Yeah. Did a whole collab with Jack Daniels. They bought out the whole property. We had a live station, barbershop, tattoos, whole line of performances. I had Anthony Anderson come. On the me. drums. He, shout out to Anthony Anderson. Yeah, We're going to get him on the show. Shout out to Anthony Anderson and his wife. 
they they held it down. Shout out to J Fuse. We were the first people to put that man next to a DJ on the stage. Oh, and wow. you see that everywhere yeah. now. You know Shout out to the humble brags. Wow. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and yeah, man, it was it was a vibe, bro. Like it was a dream come true. I, I, I remember to that sell summer. Empanadas. And I next remember thing that. You know, summer. I'm in this event business now. We're curating these things, and we're doing it all free for the Bronx. Um, it was it was a dream come true. It was a lot. 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 Um, but yo, know, it, it was a learning experience. Um, I got to meet so many people. I got to, I've seen so many relationships blossom from meeting in that lab. You feel me? We called it the lab. Because it was an experiment. I called it the last <laughs> it was an empanada experiment to see if this proof of concept would work from the Molly Kitchen, from the pop up to the Molly Kitchen, you know, buyout to, to the lab. And that six month contract ended up going for a year and a half. And we left in uh, December 2019. How'd you end up going there to partner with the Bronx? So, again, we did on the probably about 75 pop ups before we landed that location. A lot of those pop-ups date back to like 2017, 2016. 2017, we did our first pop-up here, um, and it's probably did about five or six after that. And every single pop-up we've done here, we sold out. Mm. Probably like one of our most successful events. And you know, it's always a vibe back there, especially yeah, pre-COVID back, days. Back. When it was a lot of dancing and dubbing and all that. So we already knew we would do well here. Obviously, us being close to each other, we're relatively close. Um, I would stop by. I had a really good relationship with Brandon, the GM here. Um, so he initiated the possibility. They had took me to Sweden in October 2019 to open up uh, a burger spot that they were collabing with over there. They took me as like the Bronx culinary guy, bro. <laughs> went to Sweden to go make chopped cheeses. <laughs> I was in Sweden. That's the realest thing I've ever heard. Chopped cheeses. <laughs> and they probably loved it. Oh, they loved it. It was a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. They're their partner for the East Village location. They're called Bastard Burgers. You can check them out. They open What's it called? Bastard Burgers. Bastard Burgers. The okay. They're their food partners for the East Village location. So we right. helped open up their sweet one of their Swedish. They got like 42 locations. We helped open up their Swedish location called Bronx Burgers. And that's why they wanted like a Bronx oh, chef to go to a Bronx yeah, Burger. Yeah, and that's why yeah, I did yeah, yeah. So um, Sweden making chopped cheeses. That's a um, dream. So yeah, the pop-ups, uh, the pop-ups, um, just, you know, pop-ups here will go with like a, a lime and light, a bright light for us. Like we enjoyed them, we did well. And then um, since since we since we knew we were on a short-term contract over there, it was six months. After six months, we got extended another six months. Now we're a year in. Once we broke a year there, so like July 2019, we started getting a lot of restrictions because the construction was starting to occur. Um, they sold the property. Okay. Um, they started doing all the big buildings. They started the foundation. I would be in the middle of service making food, and we hear drilling and stuff. So eventually they stripped the parking. And eventually they stripped the events. Eventually, um, you know, they, they gave us the word, like, you know, and start, you know, start figuring out what's next because the time is going to come soon. We, you know, we got to make moves. And I knew all of this, right? And I, yeah. so it wasn't like surprising, but at the end of the day, it hurt because we created a gem over there. Everybody loved yeah. it, you feel me? But yeah. it wasn't a uh, super successful year and a half. Like we we starved during the winter, you know, we didn't have alcohol. We were funded for a six month operation. So it was tough, like, but we figured it out. We made it look good. We always treated every person that walked through that door like family. That's what I want. I wanted people to feel like they're in my sala, in my living room. Like we feed, we breaking bread in the crib. A hundred percent. That's the and, vibe I always wanted. And I can speak to that specifically because the only reason why I know your wife was a counselor is because y'all told me that when I went over there. Like one of the first time I was in 2018, I remember going, that's not from the research. That's literally so from y'all. I remember that conversation. You, it was me, me, you and her talking, Yes, right? yes. I it, remember that. You, exactly. So that's we the were only like on reason. on the right-hand side, right in front of the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the conversation very well too. I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie and I work in that neighborhood. So I was like, yo, let me, let me see what they're, I appreciate what they're about. The, the one thing I wanted to say kind of to that point, right? Because, like, even when I was telling Kev, we were, like, preparing, preparing for the show today. And I'm like, yo, nah, he's, he's genuine brother, man. Like, you don't, you don't meet a lot of people like you, though, right? Because you will come out and talk to people and be nice and genuine. And, like, not everyone is like that. And so I, I appreciate that just as a customer, 100%. as a friend, right? Like, as somebody from the Bronx. And one of the things I remember as we were doing our research on the work you're doing, I remember reading, going back to like the Motley Kitchen days and those pop-up days, right? And you correct me on this. I was like, yo, being an entrepreneur and being a leader and and being on the front lines of getting your hands dirty with your team, right? Like we don't see that. And you literally were there, like even to this day, I saw you, yo, during the break, we were, we were prepping to set this up. He over there, like making sure like, 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 like,
said for that pop up, and we're gonna fast forward today because this number has increased significantly for that pop up. You make eighteen hundred empanadas like with your own hands. You and the team with your hands, like prepping, prepping. What what is that feeling like for you? And like, why is it important for you to be there on the front lines doing this work? Um, so I'm a I'm a horse in the kitchen at heart. Started as a dishwasher, then a salad prep cook, prep cook, line cook, grill guy. Saucier, and you know, when I went to culinary school, I got to to um, dive at a lot of nice restaurants and work with a lot of dope chefs. So I, I just genuinely love cooking and being in the kitchen. And now, as I take as the company grows and I take the role of like slowly stepping out of the lead in the kitchen and putting the, the responsibilities on the team, it's very difficult for me. Keep it <laughs> it's very, very difficult for yeah. me. I like to keep my finger on the pulse, right? Especially on the like that's what I do best. I do what I do best for this business is I cook. Mm. Right now, every empanada you eat, I'm making the filling still. Mm. You feel me? Um, I have a great team. I have great, great chefs, and every week they're taking more and more off my hands so I can work on the, the next project, right? Um, so I just think it, it was a, it's just like a me keeping my finger on the pulse, me loving the kitchen, me knowing that if, if like you know if I cook it, I know it's gonna taste right. Yep, um, yep. and part of a restaurant tour, like. Part of your job is systemizing things and making it easier and writing recipes. And as a as a young home cook chef, I didn't really know those formulas or those systems. I'm kind of like creating them as we go. And I can say now today, approaching our three anniversary, we have great systems in place and a quick service and panadería, high end Puerto Rican cuchi frito food. Using local ingredients with the community in mind and, and keeping that home uh, family feel and Um, so I, I would say like I love cooking, bro. So it's like I'm always gonna be there. And I'm like, if if I see that something needs to be get get done, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead by example. That's my style, and that's something that I say my fat my battle buddy, my wife challenges yeah. me on all the time. She's like, yo, you gotta stop. You're paying them X Y Z. Why don't you let them do their job? And you know. Yeah. First, I would challenge her back with that, oh, but not now. I get it. Like this, my time is so valuable at this stage of my life. My Which is family. why we appreciate you kicking it with us. Of course, of course. I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Um, my time is so valuable now. So it's like, should I really be in the truck making your chopped cheese every time you order it? Should I really be in the truck holding every empanada? Nah, I shouldn't. I need to be working on the frozen line. I need to be working on other locations. I need to be. You know, working on building sales and working on other collab opportunities. Anybody want to collab, hit us up at Empanology and IG. Um, so that's what my focus should be, you know, and, and spending time with people like yourself that want to pour into um, pouring into more of the story, letting people see what's behind the, the little Empanada O and, um, you know, seeing that I'm just a regular dude from the Bronx, man, like literally living my dream and I'm super fucking grateful for it, man. Super grateful. So besides y'all being super hospitable and super welcoming, one of the things that I, I definitely remember was kind of the art behind it, every, the way every empanada was played in, right? There were different um, there were different little designations to know which type of empanada you got. And it seemed like y'all paid a bunch of attention to detail. So tell me a little bit about that intersection between the art piece and the, and the culinary piece. Growing up in the Bronx, eating fast food and home-cooked food my whole life, art and food was never a thing for me. It wasn't until I enrolled in culinary school, a culinary... Um, Institute of Culinary Education, ICE, downtown, that I really fell in love with the artistic side of school and the techniques involved with like fine dining and stuff. So I got to be exposed to that world of food, unlike Wendy's and unlike the little locals, bodegas and fried chicken spots in the hood. So um, I fell in love with that aspect and I had to really make a decision because I was going, when you're in culinary school, you have to do internships and in the food world, they call it stages or um, it's like, like it's like a free shift. You come in, you work four hours, the chef likes you, he keeps you, he puts you on the schedule. If not, you go home, you learn some stuff. Um, I did stages at all of my like favorite chefs' restaurants. I, I, I was in school for 10 months. I networked. I met like Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Samuelson, Bryce Chutney. Like I met so many people. Um, and almost at the end of every stage, I got offered a job. Um, and I told them straight up, like, as much as I would love to be here, I'll come back and work for free. Put me on the schedule next week. I really want to learn. I, I want to open my own business. So I, I, I decided in Coney School, I'm going to take that route. And so with that route, me going to school, I learned about the small details and the small touches, mm. reading your customers, making that eye contact, having a hook for the ladies' purse, um, making sure the food looks good. You know, that's the yeah. first thing that sells it, though, the appearance. And I know it's going to taste good, right? But in order for you to want that lady next to 
table next to you empanadas gotta look oh no what is that next time feel me so yeah. learning how to garnish and we didn't do much we had a different stick we you know we, we did pay attention to the detail um and and, and overall in general the colors and, and the textures and the, and the flavor components that come into our empanada food in general it is art food is art you know what i'm saying and um it ties into who you are as a person ties into your culture it's a, it's a form of expression so like now when we launch our, our frozen empanadas we'll have a uh a custom label on the back with a designated playlist for each flavor. So like if I'm launching a jerk chicken empanada frozen, you're gonna have a nice Caribbean set playlist on the back. So while you're home, frying them up, fire. you're gonna be vibing, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm like right now, we chilling. Fuse is killing it, you know? So that's 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 what I can say. Food is art. Food is art. I might, I might be a working title. We could kind of figure that out. But food, there's, some, there's something there. There's something there. And, it, and it's funny because I'm, I'm one of those people when I'm hungry, I'm just hungry, I'm just ready to eat. So the fact that I was able to kind of remember how dope the food looked means that y'all, y'all, y'all mission accomplished. And, that, and it's difficult because <laughs> every empanada looks the same. So it's like, yeah. how can we go above and beyond? So we didn't have a real kitchen setup over there. Now we got a little bit more. So we try to garnish things as best as we can. We expanded our menu a little bit. So, you know, only upward and onward from here. The food's only going to get prettier. <laughs> the, 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 the one thing that I remember learning about you, right, again, doing my research is that which seems to be a part of your story, like that mentorship, that like meeting and meeting people, building relationships. Now you're, you're paying it forward. You're doing the same thing, right? So talk to us a little bit about like how you how you're doing that for the next person, the next Jason that wants to come into culinary and be, and be a restaurant owner. Like how are you paying it forward? Um, well, I could start off by saying I've always been like have a big heart for kids. My wife being in education, my father being a pastor, always working closely with the youth of any church he's been involved with. Um, me growing up in the Bronx, knowing the lack of resources there is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never was exposed to anything culinary mm-hmm. until I got a job washing dishes in the supermarket. So wow. that I paid for, I paid for high school, I paid for elementary. I didn't go to public school. So why wouldn't I? So I mean, it's a dream one day to open up a culinary school. So. Let's throw that out there. Somebody hey. catch it. Let's bring it back. Let's hey. bring a culinary school to the Bronx. Yes, um, but um, yeah, man, it's a big part of me. I, right now, I currently have two full-time employees that started off with me as interns. When I opened a restaurant over there, uh, I want to say 50% of my staff was under the age of 18. Okay. First-time restaurant workers, uh, friends of family, friends of friends, and just kids that I've you know looked up, you know picked up in church and like, like yeah, you need a job. Let's figure it out. Um, I, I, I do want to do more, you know, as we grow and, and we have the budget to do more. Like I know there's a big need here in the Bronx and the platform that we have, I, I do want to really do more for kids. That's like my heart I'm working at a brewery right now. So it's a little, a little conflicting sometimes as far as like bringing kids here, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to open up one day. We're going to do a whole brunch for kids before we open up. There'll be no brewery. Listen, no. I got I got Bronx High School students yeah, and middle school. Let me know. We can, right. feel, we can, we can pack it up. We'll talk. I also think, like, right now, I just hired a new chef. Um, shout out to Frank Francisco. Um, he came on board. I respect him as a chef. He has his own brand. Um, and I, I've been looking forward to trying to hold him in because I see his potential. And we kind of like mutually gravitated towards each other. And I think he's going to be like a small little tiny uh, project of mine that I'm going to help him blossom into the future empanology of his own brand. Like, you know, he, he um, he's a vegan chef, oh, very okay. artistic, very creative. Um, he has his own pop-ups in place. He's doing his uh, Yanni Kekes, his company, one of his companies. He also does a, a series called Grapstalgia. Um, and I can really see myself just uh, helping him uh, learn from what I've been through, learn not to make the mistakes that I've made and also help offer my resources that I've gathered over the past 12 years of my professional career. He's a couple of years younger than me and, you know, pour into him just like people have poured in. Every chef, every restaurateur that I've met that really like, got to know me and see my work ethic, bro, they've done nothing but pour into me, bro. Like, like from resources, from advice to just angles. When we opened up here, I had, shout out to Chef Harold. He came through, he closed his restaurant in the city. He gave me two of his best chefs. And that's why I'm out here talking to y'all right now because they're in there killing it. So it's, it's, it's something that you kind of see it. once you're in the industry, like the restaurant industry, like you meet people, if you're good, they're going to pour into you. They're going to make you better. And you're going to work together to make whatever situation you're working on a better experience for the guests and ultimately more money for your pocket, right? That investment, that investment is big. 
hey, OJ, so one of the things I appreciate about you is just everyone who's like kind of helped you along the way. You gave them shout outs throughout the whole, like a, your level of humility is really refreshing. The fact that you like can acknowledge, oh, I didn't do this on my own. These are the people that poured it to me for no, me to be able I, to I give it back. Like, I love it. I don't like the limelight, bro. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the guy in the kitchen. Like, that's the, <laughs> I'm used to being the guy behind the grill sweating. When we did pop-ups here, I wasn't taking the orders. I wasn't sitting pretty on the side. I'm on the fryer. So I got I got to give salute to the people that helped pave the way. Like, you know what I'm saying? They, they created mad opportunities for me, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't, you know, for them. Like, shout out to Keith Rubinson. He's the developer who gave me that space. Like, his whole life makes this happen. So we do this, you know what I'm saying? So I will never, never, never burn any bridges. I don't like that. And so I just think it's important to give people this. So before we before we wrap, two things. Uh, we, we like to play a game. But before we get to Kevin, I'll introduce the game before yeah. we get to that. Uh, we started to talk about this, but what's next for y'all, man? Like, what, what, what do you see in the future? All right, so it's been a crazy six months, uh, seven months since we opened up here. The, the first half, the end of the first three months, like August to October, we killed it back here. It was, it was amazing. Great, great welcome home after being closed for eight months. Um, the winter was tough with COVID restrictions, working and functioning over delivery only. Super tough. We lost about 70% of our business for mm. a good five months. But warm outside, <laughs> double that capacity of seating. I just hired a couple of new hires, we got a new menu in place, and I'm looking forward to having a record break in summer. Um, and- Live from the Bronx will be there. Facts, facts. Let's do it, let's do it. And uh, most importantly, man, we got our frozen empanadas, which is uh, pretty much how we started the company. When we were first selling empanadas back in 2012, like off of Instagram, it was, out of our project kitchen in Harlem. I was living there at the time and we were selling them in little Chino containers frozen by the dozen. Um, so one day Empanaji will be a household name. You'll be able to have some frozen empanadas in your freezer. Um, and that that's that's what I'm focusing on right now. So I, I would love to launch, I will launch the, the frozen line by the end of 2021. Hey. Um, and what 2022 and 2023 has in store, um, maybe another mobile food truck. Uh, maybe our own full service brick and mortar with our own bev program for alcohol and stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let God him. You know I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just focus <laughs> on what I'm what I'm doing right now and. Right now, this is what I really need to get done next, the frozen line. Had we had that open, we would have been pandemic proof. Um, so right now I'm focusing on the frozen and then look forward to hopefully some more Panaji, uh projects in the future. All right, wishing you all the best, man. Love and success. No doubt, King. So before we let you go, one of the one of our favorite things to do in the show, we have a, a game we like to play called Rapid Fire. So it's actually really fun because, because I don't even know the questions that are going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm a co-producer. So what's going to happen is Jason's going to ask you five questions. All right. And, yeah. <laughs> He's like sweating already. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to give us the first word or words that come to your mind when Jason asks the question. Don't think too much about it. It's meant to be nah, fun. I'm good at this game. I like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Usually people right. be in the hot seat. Scared, yeah, my man yeah, Jason's yeah, ready. It might All right, some random words. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Jay, you ready? Yeah. Jay, you ready? Yes, sir. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. All right. <laughs> Let's get it. All right, Ben. First question. All time favorite hip hop album. Uh, Jay Z, Blueprint Two, Gucci Mane. Oh. Favorite hobby that's not cooking. I love spending time on my family. All time. Favorite type of food? That's not that's not empanadas. Oh, I don't know, a billion, but <laughs> fried boneless chicken, chicken like boneless chicharrón on the pollo and mac and cheese. Hey. <laughs> he does he does this. Hey. Hey. Favorite place to travel to? Greece, Santorini, Greece, man. We went on a honeymoon, and I'm I'm if they're open by July, I will be back there. Uh, Santorini, Greece, go to Santorini, Greece. It's, Stunning. Like from the vibe, the scenery, the food, essentially. Reese is actually on my list. We'll, we'll talk offline. It's, 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 yeah. rapid fire. Last, <laughs> last question. One word to describe the Bronx. Epic, man. Mm. Epic. We the originators of the goal. Like, I mean, y'all know that. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we, our job is to let the world know that. The world yes, knows sir. that without respecting that. 
feel me? Like mm. everybody bites off of everything. We taken without respecting. Yeah. Yeah. Cultures out there, but yeah, we we are ethnic. We're, we're the originators of this culture thing. Yeah, like so hard. Up, down, left, right, food, hip hop, music, style, everything. It's here. It's here. That's Yo, you could tell Jason's about this this I, life, I, this I, rapid I, fire. Life. <laughs> Yo, yo, you know, you know, it's funny though, because normally there's a, there's like a, I'm gonna leave this in the episode. There's normally like an awkward pause in between when Jay asks the question and when the guest answers. Yeah. This is the first time I'm, <laughs> my editing will be very minimal. Yeah. 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 Yo, but, but Jay, thank you for kicking it with us. Uh, I'm excited for all the empanology has next. The frozen empanadas. My wife and I will definitely be copping some. Um, Jay and I will definitely be here a lot this summer. So thank you for all that you're doing. So for the listeners, if you don't mind throwing out your social media so they know how to follow you in the business. So, uh, the the empanology page is at empanology. That's E-M-P-A-N-O-L-O-G-Y. You can follow at Bronx Brewery as well. Stay in tune with all the events and stuff. Um, Website is under construction. We're working on the the, the uh, e-commerce aspect of things. Um, we're kind of like putting a lot of new things together for the webpage, but that's empanology.com. Believe me on Twitter too, yeah. at empanology. Yeah. Um, and stay tuned for a TikTok, man. We're about to make my, my little baby girl go viral with a little <laughs> reading and a little style and all that. You put it out, we'll share it. You put it yeah, out, we'll share it. So all most right. importantly, we're located at 856. East 136th Street here at the Bronx Brewery in the backyard, seven days a week. Pull up. Come check them. It's a vibe. It's a whole vibe. And y'all already know, y'all can follow Live from the Bronx at Live from the Bronx on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Live from the BX. Send us an email. Let us know who you who, who you want to see on the show. Let us know what you think about the show. Leave a review. Hit us at info at livefromthebronx.com. And then we got a website too, bro. Oh, yes, we do got a website, <laughs> www.livefromthebronx.com. And we got merch. We're going to get the merch yeah, on and popping once again. Y'all saw the hoodies. Summertime is coming. We're going to have to we're yeah, gonna have that short sleeve button. option. Season two. We still killing it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, y'all. Peace.